Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. My name is Harrison Blunt and with me is Nick Lamley. Spain. And of course we've got the man himself, James Clark. Sup? This is an RPG podcast all about tabletop RPGs, but before we begin, I'd like to thank the members of our dank army who pledge on Patreon and at the Dreadlord and Devil King levels. That's Ace B, Jason Duncan, Julian Burnick, Ryan Wayhab, and uh, I made it sound as if that list went on, but it doesn't. That's where it ends. But today we've got some. <laughs> that was the last one. <laughs> we've got some uh, some good segments for you today. We've got feeding the back. We've got RPG mm. news. We've got what you say in where we talk about what we've been playing. Followed by the main subject, which is does Morkborg live up to the hype? Ooh. And then we're going to take some your questions in the Electro Letters segment. Segment. Oh yes. <laughs> I put a bit of French in there. I'm trying to class up the show today, guys, because I'm. I, uh, the thing is, I'm fully aware that people aren't taking us seriously out there, and we need to class it up. All right, class it up. So, a sprinkling of class. So let's get into the, uh, as the French say, le feedball. <laughs> feedback. It's feedback. Le feedball. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah. We take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So the first one comes in from Ace B. He says, hey guys, thank you for keeping the podcast during lockdown. I think he means keeping it going. Then he says, Varus podcasts, I think he means various podcasts, are the only (laughs) thing keeping me entertained at the moment. Keep doing what you do. Varus podcasts are pretty decent. Um, I've been listening to a few myself. It sounds French no, again. Veru podcast. <laughs> yes. <it's laughs> maybe maybe Ace is French. Damn it, we should have him on the show <laughs> to sort of class up the joint. Hello and welcome to the 3D RPG podcast. That's actually not bad. L'erreur pergay? <laughs> oh, mate. Well, I'm not going to attempt a French accent. Right. Enough because the French are going to get annoyed and you know how many French listeners we have. <laughs> oh, it's true. And yeah. by the way, Pierre... Thanks for listening. And, <laughs> right, so he also says, does that new logo get a mention in this episode? Dank. Yeah, um, I just, well, I, I wanted to shout out Jack Carlisle Design, and that is my uh, my brother-in-law who did our new logo. Mm. And uh, But it's funny because when it comes to podcasts, I feel like fans of podcasts, they're either like, um, they, they either don't mind a bit of change or they're really against it. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. About 50% of people didn't like the new logo. About 50% of people thought it was fucking awesome because um, it's our 3T hand gesture yeah, in a sort of mock run the jewels style. Uh, well, but more importantly, to those who didn't like it, we like it. So it's staying. All right. I didn't yeah. know people didn't like it. Nonetheless, though, we did get some really nice comments on it, and I think it's fucking awesome, and, and it's quite badass. And, you know, we it do is. talk about yeah. some uh, I love, I love some it. pretty stupid stuff on the show, and so some zombie hands seemed, seemed appropriate. Pretty fitting, yeah. Exactly, and additionally, after Ner- Nerds International um, went under, we kind of just wanted to have another little little update. Yeah. Facelift. Yeah. Little, free, fr- little class up. I mean, refresh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Refresh something standalone. All right. So Richard Wilcock, um, last last episode we mentioned uh, we we were talking about what's the worst food to have at a gaming table, and uh, Richard Wilcock he says on the subject of dodgy food at the gaming table in a group I used to play with, one of the players would often turn up to the game with a huge doner kebab. What? As de- as delicious as delicious as they are, that is not acceptable table food, is it? That's like a. That's I a, haven't had a do- I haven't had a doner kebab since I uh, I was about thirteen, so that would be like. 17 years oh mate you haven't lived 
but the Donners, Donners, as good as they are, they do fucking reek. Yeah, and they do play havoc on your guts. Yeah, and they're it's very what... uh, messy, aren't they? Because, you know, if you get all the sauces like I did, then <laughs> sort of you eat it's it, really even if you're sauces. sober eating it, it'll just sort of be in your in your face beard. There's what... a reason that you eat it mainly while you're drunk and also outside walking home, right? Yeah. That's why you see on a Friday or a Saturday night in England, you see so many like prematurely discarded donners all over the floor like, or the one, or, or, the town or, 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 yeah the, the saddest ones are like the ones when they're you know that people have just dropped it as they go because they're being messy that's fine but you know when someone's clearly just accidentally spilt it and it's all just like all over the floor and you can just picture yeah when you the, see a full wall. one like a full one but like, like most <laughs> yeah. of it's like down a wall and the pit of red still intact <laughs> yeah and you just think oh this bloke clearly tripped and he's devastated yeah. now <laughs> he's yeah stumbling home <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, I yeah I haven't had a doner kebab in a long, long time. I, I might I might go out and have one. I was thinking that the, the people from other nationalities must be so annoyed about how we say doner because it's like completely wrong. <laughs> I think it's like doner. <laughs> but we all say doner. Donna. Give me a doner, mate. Doner. Doner kebab. Right. Speaking of do- doner, mate. Do- dynamite. Let's get onto the news. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh no, that was a nice segue. <laughs> Critical Role reveals new line of Funko Pop toys. What? If if it hasn't if it hasn't it hasn't dawned on you yet, this is a slow news week. All right. Um, <laughs> and I just I don't know. Is I just it, thought it would be a, interesting. Is it more of a news caress rather than a punch? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, it's a news tickle. <laughs> yeah. There, hey. we go. there we go. We should have we should have two two separate jingles for Varied this. But levels. Yeah, um, basically, I was scouring um, the internet and that's the biggest news that happened this episode around this episode you know that Critical Role are doing their new line of Funko Pop toys um, I would like to say this Funko Pops are a huge waste of money what the fuck, what the fuck um, is so anybody Pop that collects toy? them what is you it? suck what are they? Well, those little it's square like, shits little square yeah it's a little square shit so it's like um, a little um, body with an oversized head and it's of your favourite characters from your favourite things oh, but what it is is they yeah. it's genius because what they've done is they've made one toy that they can paint a thousand different ways and people don't seem to realise that that's what it is and how cheaply made and terrible these things are and I've seen I don't know it's just weird it's really weird it's one of the weirdest things it's like getting I can't remember what the name of the film was but there was an old George Lucas movie where people bought cubes just to get the sensation of spending money it's like that what, Star Wars? No, it wasn't Star Wars. It was before that. It was, um, I can't remember what the hell it's called, but it's pretty funny. So, yeah, I just feel like it, the um, the Funko Pops are like those coloured cubes from the George Lucas movie, whatever yeah, the fuck it was yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That's rubbish. So, tell me, so is this, are these are these toys of the characters they play or themselves? Nick, don't expect me to do research, okay? <laughs> I, I gave you the headline. That's all that matters. What I want to know I, is, I, is, there the a giant is, mass mer- is there a giant-headed Matt Mercer? <laughs> that you can buy. Uh, no, yeah, what we should do is get get Beat one of those. And um, no, I'm not going to say that. That's that's immature. But <laughs> well, yeah, I think I'm fairly certain it's the characters. I'm fairly certain it's the characters. But I don't know. I don't know. I didn't read the article. It didn't interest me to be fair. So no, it's probably, probably stupid that I even put it in here. No, I'm glad. It, I'm glad it's. Uh, I'm glad it's been raised for discussion. Um, you know. Um, Glad it's out there and that we know and we can deal with it when the time comes. The next one pleases me. The next story is going to be that The Guardian reviews Morkborg. So this is uh, 
one of the top papers in the UK newspapers. Um, they reviewed Morkborg, and uh, it's it's actually a really really good article, and uh, it kind of um, gets across the game in a way that um, normal normies can enjoy it which is fucking awesome but i just think it's amazing that a giant news corporation like that has taken to reviewing an rpg i mean that is finally legit Mm. yeah that's 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 um i think that's like my history worthy isn't it this is the good news section now well well, i guess i guess like looking at both of those news headlines um one for worse one for better it's showing that the hobby's getting a bit more mainstream isn't it i suppose i suppose so yeah because that that and that i can never be a bad thing you know it's that as i always say there's so many people that slate D &D and say i wish somebody would start with my role-playing game but it's just it's just good getting more people into the hobby you know and if and and also it's fucking cool that such a fun uh, and decent rpg has got got reviewed but we shouldn't say too much about it because the main subject is about that game. I wonder what the Guardian readership thought of that. <laughs> oh my. Borg, Borg. Bloody spiffing. What's a RPG? What's a Borg and what's an RPG? <laughs> Tilda? Tilda, get my pipe. I have some pondering to do. Borg, you say. <laughs> All right, awesome. Let's go on to what you slain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What you slaying? So this is where we talk about what we've been playing. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about let's talk about our old old school essentials, old school D and D Fandolin game. So I've been putting little updates oh, yeah. for Nick because he's been able, unable to make the game during the uh, pandemic. Um, so I've been putting little updates on our group, but this is where I'm going to now fill Nick and the listeners in on what's going on in our old school essential game. So. Yeah. You know, the first arc of this campaign that we did uh, quite a few months back um, was all about the guys owning a, a monster zoo and populating it with monsters. And they also saved the world at one point from a disease and all of this stuff. So they're heroes. They're well-known people. And now the world is going to shit because um, it advanced into an industrial age. And uh, they started mining the life stream from the planet and taking the planet's energy and using it to power devices. And now the planet is angry and it's fighting back. And all of these, um, all plants in the world, plus a few new ones crawling from beneath the world, have started attacking the world. Like house plants, things like this. Nice. Nobody's safe. Grass. <laughs> you fucked. Yep. Um, in addition to that, some of the devices are actually attacking, uh, are actually fighting back, and things oh like this. And God. you know, <laughs> um, the the t- yeah, the team have, have been tasked with uh, kind of saving everything. And um, to cut a long story very short, what they uh, kind of did was they thought they would overload one of these uh, things. They're called mana frackers that were uh, taking the planet's energy. They thought they'd overload it and uh, blow it up so that to to show the planet that they give a shit. And when they did so, unfortunately, what they did is they overloaded it and it uh, blew up. Sure, it did. But it's in the middle of a city and every device linked to it on the on the network also blew up, causing devastation in every major city in the whole... We had no idea that that was going to happen. We thought it was a good idea to to, to pulse the energy back into the earth where it came from. Mm -hmm. Um, No. No, 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 no. We, we, the thing we, is, we, yeah, we acted before we thought. As yeah. as we mentioned as well, you know, these guys they own a zoo and uh, actually own an entire town, the town of Fandolin, which is now becoming a city. And their town was the only one that didn't have a mana fracker yet. It was midway through being built, and as a result, um, now they've they they returned home, and there's a bunch of refugees 
wanting to live in their town because it's the only one that's safe at the moment. Yeah. Um, so they got they got to work building new housing for them, but then they set out to uh, find one of the gods who gave them a vision saying, well, you really fucked that one up. You better come and see me and bloody fast. <laughs> um, I uh, gave them a vision. So the yeah, last game they were travelling through this forest and it was kind of this living forest that wants to test you and uh, uh, kind of um, show... Uh, it, it, kind of, it kind of wants to test your abilities before it reveal, reveals the god to you. Mm, cool. Um, and they found out that a cult that one of the previous characters had started is also racing to see the gods because they have to unite these three items that are owned by each of the gods to try and get enough power to save the earth and and uh, it turns out yeah this evil cult are after it as well and they're both racing to get to it so yeah pretty fucking fun pretty epic um, yeah and it, yeah the forest the forest bit was pretty funny because there was this point where there was this unicorn who was like a trickster um i kind of had the forest laid out um just as boxes and as the plot party would get lost and we'd you know use the wilderness rules um they would end up on different boxes uh, and Wicked. finally get to the end at some point like a flow chart Excellent. Nice. And uh, what was pretty funny, Nick, was that they went to this area with a unicorn in it and it had a pond. And the unicorn didn't say anything. It just sort of motioned its head towards the pond as if to say drink. But the uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, actually, do you remember? Um, it, she did that because I've got um, animal husbandry. I um, tried to sort of gesture towards the unicorn as to pay it respect because obviously Stanley, my husband's got a unicorn as his steed. And so I was just gesturing as, as respect because the pool looked glistening and, and beautiful and magical. <laughs> yeah. And then um, he said that I heard um, in my head um, as as a uh, you know as a positive um, wording of it. It was it was drink bitch. <laughs> it's like you know when girls call each other bitch, <laughs> like, bitch. But they mean it like girlfriend or whatever. So it was like yeah. it went drink bitch. And uh, yeah, James James's character is a woman. I should point that out. Nice. Yeah. And so a few um, of us drank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, first thing that happens, yeah, James. He says his character Dee Dee. She drinks from the water, and she immediately stops caring a- about anything for D six hours. So we had two hours um, where she just <laughs> she just couldn't find the muster to give a shit about anything. So <laughs> she just at that point was just like, "Hey, Stanley, you wanna you wanna have sex rather than concentrating on the mission?" She's like, oh, "I remember when we were teenagers and we were in the woods, you know." Anyway. Here's the funny thing is that Stanley then drank some, you know, he's getting ready for the for the event, yep. for the sexy times. Oh, yeah. And he drank some and then his, his um, foot, feet grew incredibly long, bursting through his uh, his shoes and uh, <laughs> now he's got clown feet and that's permanent. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then at this point, the unicorn just goes, see you later, bitch, and then just trots up into the air and goes away. <laughs> oh, dear. It, it was pretty good, and um, yeah, one of my one of the best uh, sort of innovations that came out throughout this. I mean, there was loads and loads of different scenes as they went through the forest, but one of the best things was that uh, this is a cool thing about OSE, man. Like, f- um, level five knights get a flying mount, and that so, so James cool. uh, yeah. rides around on a pterodactyl, and one of the other yes. characters he rides around on a, on a flying unicorn. <laughs> Once they got to the forest, their mounts were like super scared and kind of didn't want to go in. So they were being led, you know, on the ground instead. Cool. And uh, James realised that his pterodactyl would scream whenever it was near danger. So he would point it in the, in the direction where he thought that it was most scared, using it as like sort of a compass. And they, they followed <laughs> yeah. that to kind of get to the end. Pterodactyl compass, yeah. yeah. Turn it around and sort of like... Like, <laughs> like, a, like a divining <laughs> rod. Really like a divining rod when yeah, he's trying exactly, to find water. Nick. Yeah, I got you. 
Yeah. Anyway, like, yeah. Final thing is, is they had a showdown with some cultists at the bottom of the uh, bottom of this mountain. Uh, ended up climbing the mountain um, and met one of the gods, this land god called Grom, and he's uh, basically a, a dragon so big that he, when he's asleep, is uh, like a little forest is on his back. Oh, very mm. good. Um, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very, and he, nice. he kind of he kind of got up and told the party that the item is kept in a dungeon, which is in the mountain. It's kept behind a number of trials and tests and things like this and yeah if they reunite them with the with reunite the gods together and the three items because mm. there's three gods on this planet basically cool and um uh, then then they'll be hopefully be able to save save the world but the, the dragon also has never been in the dungeon so he doesn't know what's in there he's just supposed to guard it not actually do it so <laughs> yeah they, they're sort of Cool. But it, it was pretty decent. It was pretty fucking fun. And uh, yeah, it, all, all told, it was pretty good. I just, it was a bit weird having a sex scene involving my brother and my best friend. I mean, uh, that was horrible. We tried to keep them to a minimal, but they keep cropping up, don't they? And, and the funny yeah. thing is about the cultists is that um, for the listeners, if they remember, um, like any of the other characters, like uh, the fiend, cool. um, yeah. he, created a, he created a cult. cult, of cult. They were, they were, yeah, they were his cult. Oh, so they've actually turned yeah. into a, a formidable force now because they were, let's be honest, they were pretty uh, new <laughs> in the last session. Uh, well, last bear campaign. in mind, Nick, it's been, it's been five years, you know, yeah. since the last arc. And yet they're getting there. Um, right. Even, you know, previously when the city had gone to shit and it was all rioting and stuff like this after, you know, um, after the minor shit went, went, went south, yeah. they were talking to the police and the police were saying that they've been investigating, you know, a... Uh, a number of murders and sacrifices and things like this that have been going on up and down the country. But the thing is, the the, the this cult they never uh, they never settled down and use a base. They did once in Vandalin. As soon as as soon as the police came close, they left. You know, so at the moment, yeah, they they they're still on the loose and they they are becoming formidable, even to the point where um, they one of them was trying to snipe these guys with a rifle um, while they're in the forest. Sure. And, Grant Shaftesbury, who's a barbarian, he's got all these woodland skills where he can move silently and hide in bushes, yeah. and he just snuck right up on him and then just axed him right in the back, and Ooh. these guys then just came in and fucked him up like something fierce, and um, yeah, it was fucking awesome. But uh, yeah, then they see him again by the base of the mountain. He's like looking a bit decrepit, like he's been sort of uh, like corrupted, but he's mm-hmm. back again, revived. So something's going on, and they definitely are more powerful. Mate, that is so cool. I love that. I love that Norman's <clears throat> Norman's legacy lives on in the game. You've got his son. You've got you've got his his dark legacy of his cult. <laughs> I bet James well, is loving of, it. It kind of made sense to me, you know, because all of yeah. your guys' characters, you planted all of these seeds That's it. and had things going on. You know, like you've got your old character's beer is a big export of the nice. town. You've yeah. got you know all of the other guys with um, who now rule the town. Stanley's now a knight. You know, everyone's got these so things cool. that are going on. Mm-hmm. And the very last thing Norman did was you know try to set up a cult and he, he you know had relations with a hag so yeah. you know uh, <laughs> yeah, I, feel like, I feel like it's one of those things where I, I had to keep that going so yeah he's he's now playing his own son you reap what you're sowing rpgs and that's the beauty of it so that's that's i love that you've brought it all over to the new campaign i think that's what's making it particularly fun yeah I, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it and uh i hope the guys are too um but yeah it's good fun oh yeah it's it's mad good and um so far, I fucking love the system. You know, it's, mm. it, Sean, Sean, it was funny. I was talking to, he's one of our players and I was talking to him and he's like, feels a lot like D&D. And I'm like, that's what it is. Because <laughs> it, it is I D&D. I think I've said this before. 
yeah. how are the guys finding right, the well, mechanics but, and stuff all good uh yeah i mean the thing is we the i do really enjoy the roll under thing because you have to roll under your stats instead of rolling the yeah, d20 nice. modified you know and i like it a lot because it actually means that your every point that you have in a skill counts for something yeah that's even cool if, you know, like in D and D, where it'd be like twelve to thirteen, it means you got a plus one. Where a twelve or a thirteen, you know, that's a that's a difference. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. whereas before it's like you need to get three more points in strength to get an extra plus one. Well, now every every point is a plus one. You know, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like it. So it's good. But that's about it. I mean, I've I've also been playing a, a Saturday game, of yeah. Old School Essentials with um, Jeff Goad, but. Unfortunately, I had to leave that game, uh, but I won't bring up why. But anyway, point is, is that yeah, that, that's been pretty fun. I tell you what, um, uh, it's annoying because I did have, finally have a character that actually survived in that game. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's a very, he's a very hey. harsh but fair GM because we make our own plans. It means that you know we can go anywhere we like. So you're stumbling into places that weren't necessarily made for characters of your level. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Perfect. But. Now I'm playing a flying lion that can go invisible whenever he wants. Uh, it's much easier. And so, pro tip: if you want to survive, get invisibility and uh, be able to fly. I don't know. Flying lion ship. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> flying shit. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been pretty awesome, and we've yeah been setting up our own goals and stuff, and it's fucking really really fun. But uh, yeah, unfortunately I'd leave, but it's fine. Oh, whatever. Man. I mean. The thing is, is that um, I, I, what was kind of cool about that game, and I think this is kind of can be inspiration for other people listening, is that he got as many whacked out and weird third party classes as he could, and just put them into the game, which That's is so why cool. we end up with a like the, the one of our characters is a vampire, one's a demon, one's a fucking flying lion that can go invisible. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it was pretty awesome. I don't know as a GM if I could handle that many different abilities <laughs> and crazy <laughs> shit, but yeah. I think it's cool that he was able to do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, glad you enjoyed yourself, mate. Yeah, it was good fun. Right, but should we um, should yeah. we talk about uh, should we talk about Morkborg? Oh, mate, I'm uh, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe. I've heard a little thing about this. One day, all will blacken and burn, just as the two-headed basilisks have predicted. The world is dying. Time is short. How will you face these last days? Robbing graves for soil-stained wealth or facing down the apocalypse, hoping it can be fought? This is the synopsis of Morkborg, which I think actually might be pronounced Merkborg. But I don't know. We're just going to call it Morkborg. You know, it's like the German umlaut thing, isn't it? It's like... yeah. Yeah, it's got yeah. the accent over the eye. Anyway, um, this game describes itself as a doom metal album of a game and a spiked flail to the face, yes. which is just fucking... Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it says, oh, it also describes itself as rules light, heavy everything else, yep. which is just good. so badass. Yeah, that is good. And after winning every any award imaginable and being talked about in the biggest newspaper in the UK, it seems that Morkborg is quickly becoming huger than Jesus, <laughs> paving the way for a new breed of so-called art punk RPGs. But is all the media and industry attention justified? Does this game deserve to be the talk of every gaming table in the world right now? Well, today we're going to find out by taking a deep dive into the world of Nick Big. Nick Big. (laughs) 
that might be racist to what we're doing right now so if it is sorry um okay of course the book is really big on presentation and that's the first thing anyone will notice it's an absolute masterpiece of graphic design and rpg artwork it's sexy isn't it it's good, man. It really is. It's so like it's just beautiful. We, do, we will talk about like some some of the actual things it does, but the uh, you know the, uh, you guys had a look at the PDF version, and then Nick, you've ordered actually a physical version. Oh yeah, and the PDF is beautiful, but in the physical version, it's just insane. Like for for example, right, you have a uh, an entire page dedicated to the fact that using a femur as a weapon does D4 damage with a picture of a bone <laughs> behind it. And it's all done in this like really oh, punky yeah. doom black metal style, you know. Yeah. And there's a yeah, yeah. It's awesome. And there's a page with all the weapon damages listed, but instead of a list, it's a picture of a guy with every weapon embedded somewhere in his body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like the one that points to the uh points to the hand that hasn't got anything on it and it says unarmed damage and it's D2 nice. or something. Yeah, like yeah, that, it's so it? cool, man. Yeah, and each each creature Bloody in the brilliant. book also has its own full page, sometimes two page like spread artwork, all done in this like darker than black style, beautifully rendered. Yeah. And it's creepy and unsettling. They're so cool. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. It's like it's just crazy. It's one of those ones like I just I just can't stop looking at it. It's just amazing. And some of the pages Yeah, I like the on. fact that sorry. Yeah. The, the sorry, the, the, the artwork, like, you know, some of it is there's there's a lot of artwork that's really similar throughout, obviously, but then there's sort of sections where it's just like it's it's completely different. Like the there's like different sections in the book where it's like serene, a bit more beautiful, a bit more sort of uh, sort of painting on canvas style in the background. Yeah. But I think that's a really good idea to separate out the sections. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's almost like that each section has its own kind of graphical style, but all of it has this like. A kind of a somewhat patchwork, but it's, it has this kind of like really spontaneous feel to it, like it's been like it's been stitched together, and, and yeah. like you know, and and the thing is, the PDF is amazing, right? But there's some pages in the book, you know, contain embossed like foil lettering, and it's like fuck me, how long, how much money did this take to make? Like it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and there's the page for combat, right? Is just called violence. <laughs> and the inside covers are also full of useful tools and even the bookmark ribbon has text on it and opening it at any page you see something that could literally be a poster in a, like a niche dingy record store it's fucking amazing yeah yeah that's true that but simply true. put it's an absolute marvel in terms of layout and design but what actually is the game and does this all or nothing design style bleed into the game mechanics and game world well shut up because I'm going to tell you See, I've, I've trying, I'm trying to be more like Mark Borg in this episode. I'm trying to sort of like treat the listeners with contempt and like I hate them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's going to work wonders. <laughs> All right, now listen, listen, you, 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 you bad idiot. Opening the book up at the first, <laughs> opening the book up at the first page. There's a credits section, obviously, but it contains a number of bands who inspired the book. A few of which I'm actually a big fan of, such as Noel, Electric Wizard, and Mayhem. But I found some of the band names really amusing. Bong Ripper, yes. for example. <laughs> made me <laughs> laugh. Bongzilla. Bongzilla. <laughs> or how about Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard? There's a bit of a there's a bit of a, uh, uh, a pattern here. Well, here's the thing. It's like um, inspired by doom metal, right? And one of the biggest subgenres of doom metal is stoner doom, and that's what that is, I guess. <laughs> yes. I had to tell you what though. I did actually listen to some of these bands while writing this review, and the one that really stood out to me was Bong Ripper. It's really fucking good. Is, like, that, the, is that the one you shared on the group? 
Yeah, yeah, with the with yeah, the, with the horrible artwork. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's really good. It's wicked, man. It's just like really heavy, like fucking droning, like metal without without any um, vocals. It's just, it's a properly good background music, and it's really good it for when you're reading this, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Similarly to the game's world world map, right? Morkborg often talks in like abstractions rather than outright statements, or is kind of vague about things and kind of lets you fill in the gap. So let's take a look at the intro, for example. Um, the first paragraph says, "The wind from the west, from the sundered land, rot rides it, and the stench of blood." Cursed Walker, will you travel there to the valley of the unfortunate dead? Our young ones are taken by the child thief Turgol, known for his crimes and alchemy of the flesh. Which is like super badass, yeah. and, and the whole book is written like this. It also talks about your character like it hates them, and it's like, who will you be? Nobody cares, and you'll be dead in a minute anyway. And also, your stocks have crashed, and I burned your house down. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. But yeah, <laughs> so incredibly dark, isn't it? So yeah, exactly. And so uh, a lot of times, you know, the game is so dark, it's almost funny. Like mm. that's that's what is fucking awesome about it. Like. It's just uh, there, and there is a couple of examples later that are just they made me laugh because I'm just like mate, this just it just doesn't pull any punches. But you know what I do like about it? It doesn't cross any lines. You can tell it's not trying to be edgy. It's sincere in its darkness. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, the yeah, theme yeah, to the yeah. game. Yep, that's pretty awesome because yep. that's yeah. quite rare. Usually, if something's edgy, you know, for edgy, over the top, dark, yeah, yeah. yeah, over the top and a bit tryhard, then there's almost always going to be lines that they cross. Yeah, and in this, I don't. There are a couple of times where you go, ooh, that's a bit. But it, mostly it's actually all right. But anyway, so the game world, obviously, according to the intro, there's Turgol, the child snatcher. But where is this kid robbery taking place? Well, obviously, the game's world is described in this poetic, abstract way. So I'll interpret it now. But if I get any of it wrong, it's not because I'm stupid, it's because of something else. So. Basically, nobody has seen the sun in ages. It's been bl- blocked out, and older people of the world have become obsessed with rituals and sacrifices. So the younger generation basically have to fend for themselves. And there's these things called doomsayers, and we'll get into actually what these are, but they're predicting terrible misery left, right, and centre, and everything is coming true, all of it, mm. every single thing that's predicted. So the world is going to shit fast and either people are too weak to fight back or they just don't give a shit. And, and many of them try to make good with the gods before they die, basically. Mm. And additionally, this bloke called Anuk Schlager, who's a monk for a religion called the Creton Order, once met a basilisk and wrote down a bunch of prophecies that this basilisk told him. And these prophecies became were lost, you know, lost the time and became the nameless scriptures. Anyway, 300 years later, the tomb of Anuk Schlager got uncovered while some Creton dudes were building a cathedral. And from that point on, every single thing written on his scriptures and scrolls has come true. So it's like a Bible predicting a bunch of things called miseries and they're all just, mm. everything's coming true. It could be something small like today your sandwich will be slapped out of your hand or it could be <laughs> yeah. something massive like everyone with a monobrow is going to die or whatever. I don't know why those examples <laughs> I came up with are so weird, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Fucking awesome. But yeah, so these things called the nameless scriptures. Anyway, the church was still made, but all their holy texts got put in the bin. Everyone just binned it. The Bible's out. Every other one is out, right? So, and now all the Creton monks ch- choose to, to read is the nameless scripture and all of these dooms that are happening. So, and this church also worships two two-headed basilisks, with each head representing some different part of their religion. One head, called Verhu, is like the main one, right? And he's able to predict the future. And as such, everyone worships this guy. 
which if you think about it is a bit out of order considering the other head is right there watching everyone worship him and give him little gifts. Meanwhile, the other one is just sitting there, bitter, listening to everyone pour over his brother. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit bad. I mean, imagine that. You're just sitting there and everyone's coming in just giving you little offerings, asking for you to predict their future, things like this, and your brother's like sitting, literally can't move away. And he's like... Um, yeah, you know, I may not be able to predict the future, but I've got a lot of really other cool stuff going along. Like he's juggling, like trying to get people's attention. <laughs> want to tell? Want to hear a joke? <laughs> want to hear a joke? Um, no, th- is, it, is it about the future? No. Uh, uh, yes, you liar. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Take your gifts yeah, uh, to my brother, then. Yeah, that's fine, as you always do. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the book, the book actually actually mentions this, right? The other head is called Gorg. And he hates the other head with a passion because Verhu can predict the future and knows the full truth of the world and gets shitloads of gifts from people. And the funny thing about Gorg is he has actually attempted to predict the future many times and (laughs) failed. So that's the cool thing. Brilliant. So he's not only attached to his brother that's consistently more successful than him, he also is worse. (laughs) He's a massive failure. Anyway, the other basilisk, right? The the other one, who's the other one that's part of this religion, is Mm. just often simply referred to as she mm. and she <laughs> has the head of denial and the head of deception and guess what she gets pimped out by the main one verhu uh, what <laughs> yeah so and verhu doesn't even give her proper protection so she and this is a bit gross has given birth like a million times but all of them were stillborn and she chucks them off a cliff which is one of the two things in the book that actually made me go uh, that's fucking mental isn't it it's a bit gross but the cool thing about this is there was one surviving spawn of the basilisk of this this lady one she Um, and uh, yeah interestingly the survivor also got chucked off the cliff with the others right she probably just didn't know what to look for in an alive baby you see baby basilisk Mm-hmm. So she 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 punted him off the cliff, and now he lives in a in a place called the Valley of the Unfortunate Dead, where he yells damnation up to his mum that chucked him off there. I'm sure if she he just went up and said, "You know, you know, I'm alive, right?" She'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." I thought you were. Uh, you, you, you this is awkward. No, oh, this is awkward. You were just asleep. You said, "Oh dear, oh, I'm so." You know what? You know what? Come in. Let's have a cup of tea. You've been shouting at me from yeah. down there this whole time. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> I thought I thought I heard something. When I, I the thought window. I just, I, you know, I thought I was hearing things, and it's just him going "fuck you, mum." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basilisk family troubles aside, though, let's talk about why the world is all fucked up. So again, it's a little abstract, but essentially, reality is breaking apart and decaying. Cracks in time are forming, and as such, unfathomable things are entering the world. And the world itself is like folding in on itself, mm. like reality. Um, and the island that this game takes place on is surrounded by the endless sea, right? So it's just a, an infinite sea. Um, people have like sailed it, you know, got in boats and shit and tried to search for new lands, but everyone always returns back. You know, ah. it doesn't say how or why, but that's up to the GM, you know. Mm. But they always end up back, even if it's against their will, and they'll come back dead or alive. So you, you could send your old, uh, your old granddad out there on a little raft, go and just go. Look, you've only got a couple of years left. Try and find us some new land, and he'll come back half an hour later, just a skeleton on a raft. <laughs> Because they come back either dead or alive. So, you know, it could just be... And he's back and he's like, well... Lost my skin. <laughs> Lost my... You don't want to know what's out there. The skin thief. 
So the next part is all about the locations. It's nothing too heavy, right? Just a page or two pages per location, often half a page as well, with large art pieces, basically. And I'm not going to go into huge detail here. Mm-hmm. Reason being is because I really want to run this and uh, don't want to spoil too much. But here's a couple of examples for you. Remember that cathedral we mentioned where the nameless scripture was found? Well, mm-hmm. the largest city in the game sprung up around that church, and it's ruled by a priestess called Yasilfa Migol. Um, the cathedral, called the, Cathre- the Cathedral of the Two-Headed Basilisks, obviously I don't have much imagination in this religion, houses a subterranean throne room where, where this woman, Jasilfa, resides. And she's young and old at the same time. Oh. And people think she deals with a, not a dark god called Necrubal and that she was granted eternal life, basically. Mm. And Necrubal, by the way, is rumoured to be the one that grants the prophecies to Verhu, the, the basilisk. So it's not like he has a power... It's more that a dark god is constantly telling him shit, the, his plans, maybe. So yeah, he's yeah, whispering yeah. in his ear, cool. like, you know. Yeah. And it's fucking cool. That is cool. But that's basically all the information on Galgenbeck, which is the be- the biggest city in the game, right? Okay. And that's the type of stuff I like to see, because in, in RPGs, often you have, like, you know, people over-explaining. There's a million different characters in this yeah. rich, highly detailed town, whereas this is a jumping-off point. You see what I mean? Yeah, it's better. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a perfect description of it. It gives you the flavour you want. And mm. I, I agree with you, Nick. You know, it is better because, it, it, to me, it gives the whole overall flavour of the world, you know. You've got a couple of things in there, the main details about the city, and then all you need to know is if you keep consistent with the game's tone and remember that it's the biggest city and it sprung up around this cathedral. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Yeah, and you can add all your little nuances yourself. Right, exactly. I mean, that's... that. It's just perfect to me. Yeah. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. But um, there's also a dark, mirrored version of, of this temple in a place called Graven Tosk. And there's also the Valley of the Unfortunate Dead, which we mentioned before. Yep. There's a western region called Wasteland and a bunch of other really cool nice. locations. But I don't want to spoil them um, because they're fucking awesome. But mm-hmm. the world information consists, about, uh, consists of about five pages total. It's just a bunch of jumping off points, as I said, and it gives you only the most important pieces of info, leaving the rest up to the GM. And it's just perfect in my opinion oh yeah i can imagine this wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea right but it is absolutely my cup of tea yeah i tend to use settings as jumping off points anyway i mean look at when we play deadlands you know my version of deadlands is really different but i like the classes i like the feel of the world i like some of the locations you know but i don't want to use everything because then you get bogged down and trying to remember their shit too much do you see what i mean yeah 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 that's true completely right i like killing things and i like kicking things in the ass so if anyone keeps going on about how you can negotiate with the fucking geckos, I'm going to whoop your ass out of here! Should we talk about Misery? <laughs> what, the film? Please. Please. <laughs> Is there a film called Misery? Not a bad Stephen King book and film. We can talk about that if you want, Nick. It's I mean, right. I, this is an RPG podcast, but I think I was thinking it's we, we're due for an update of uh, subject matter anyway. Okay. We could change to the let's Misery change, podcast. Let's just talk about Misery. <laughs> yeah. no, let's leave that. Let's, let's start out on a new one. Nah, sh- we'll shelve that idea. Yeah, we'll shelve, shelve that, that idea. For now, you know, yeah. some, sometimes you ju- it just needs a bit of refinement. Maybe we'll talk about Misery and Carrie. You know, who cares? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's basically a section in the game called the calendar of necrubal and it describes miseries basically each dawn i assume in game and not in real life the gm <laughs> rolls a die and a result of one will cause a misery uh, what die is you determine it as a group so 
Whoa. This basically, um, if it, 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 it doesn't really describe this, so this is why I'm sort of stumbling over this, but it doesn't really describe it. It's got like a little table and it says, When will the world end? And it said, like, basically, in a minute, you roll a D2, or in a, in a long, hectic year, you roll a D100. And you wait for that to come up as a one. I don't know if you change the dice every time you roll it, but I think you decide kind of is this going to be a long-term game? If so, roll a d20 or a d100. If it's going to be a short-term game, roll a d2, and every time it comes up one, you get in a misery. Ah. But what is a misery? Well, I'm glad I asked. Um, a misery <laughs> is some unfortunate event that happens in the game world, and they're all taken from the nameless scriptures. And it's actually laid out like a page from that book, like a Bible. I guess with the um, with rolling the um, with rolling the torments, it could it, it depend on where what's going on in the world as well. I suppose if if the whole world's getting a bit chaotic well, through story kind of, play, that's kind of the way I saw it. Like yeah. I was thinking that maybe if it's been a particularly chaotic session and a yeah. lot of real big shit's gone down, maybe you could roll a d6 or a d2. You know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and it, it, it's up to you, really. I mean. Um, yeah, and, and misery is basically that some unfortunate event that happens in the game world, and they're all taken from the nameless scriptures. So they're laid out like a page from that book. It looks like a Bible book, and each one says Psalm one one or Psalm yeah, one four. Yeah. So if you roll a one and a four in your dice, yeah, that's, yeah. that's fucking cool, cool that, man. That? That it looks cool. amazing. It literally looks like a Bible page, and each die roll corresponds to a line in that psalm, and then you read that out. For example. Here's one. Of those who build mightily, stone by stone, so they shall fall mightily. And the cool thing is about that is it could be literal. Yeah. That people who attempt to build housing start to die in gruesome ways. Or it could be that the PC's well-laid plans start to turn against them. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Metaphorically, yeah. yeah it's all over to interpretation, and that is... Yeah, like it's the best. Amazing. It's the best. Yeah, that, yeah, I fucking love it? it. But another example is uh, the lake shall blacken and the water become tar. So, you know, suddenly, you know, their their world could be uh, uh, devoid of any drinking water, um, mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, that a lake specifically turns to tar and things start to climb out of it. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, a one final awesome one is he will grow stronger. That's the baby that was chucked off the cliff. Yep. And she will be slain. Ooh. So he's he finally gets his revenge and takes Ooh, over. Yeah. Meaning half of the people these this religion worships is now dead and replaced with the, literally their satanic figure. So That's pretty so fucking awesome. That is cool. <laughs> Guess what? After six miseries, the seventh one is always the same. It's seven seven. Um and this is kind of the end of the game, and I won't spoil what happens at 7-7, but the book actually says this, the world finally dies, the game is over, and your lives end here. Burn the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking... That is cool as shit, man. Oh, <laughs> it really is. I don't know about you guys, but it, when I do run this, I, I think I might do that, just because it's in the rules. I'm like, sorry, mate, this rules is written. I've got to burn the book. Yeah, you got but purchase a new one before you burn it, but then you burn it. Yeah, well, yeah, def- definitely that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is it's cool. Like, I've got to complete the ceremony, guys. Come on, let's all go outside to the field. No, but I was thinking that you're, t- you're talking about going outside in the field. I'm talking about, let's say we're doing it at either yours or Nick's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to chuck it on the table and, sh- and just start pouring petrol on the table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this game's asking to be played by candlelight, isn't it? <laughs> it really yeah, is. Yeah. It really is. In a graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> in a graveyard with all cloaks on it. Oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. 
That would be fucking awesome. Yeah, anyway, uh, the next two-page spread is about gear and character creation, and we talked about, you know, how the gear's laid out and stuff, but um, as as for, you know, what you start with, everyone starts with a bunch of silver, a water skin, and D4 days worth of food, and some random gear. So basically, you roll on three tables and see what you get. You could start with a donkey, a needle, and a bit of lard. Nice. Or a sack, a silver crucifix, and D4 monkeys. Oh, D4 monkeys, good. Um, or what about a backpack, a random unclean scroll, and a heavy chain? That's, these are all things you could possibly roll. Um, and we'll get into scrolls in a minute. There's basically the spells in the game. But mm. the character creation process is super easy. You roll your starting equipment, roll for weapons and armor, roll your abilities, and then it says, name your character if you wish. It will not save you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. The abilities in this game are basically your stats. So there's only four. You have agility, which is used for defense, swimming, and legging it, and yeah. presence, which is used for perceiving, charming, and spells, mm-hmm. and also ranged attacks, and strength, which is obvious. And you also have toughness, which is your ability to resist bad shit like poison, weather, falling from height. So um, just that's constitution, it. isn't it? Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. And to roll up these stats, you roll on a table, and you 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 get a score which varies from a minus three up to a plus three, and you add these to a d20 and beat a difficulty number. It's you know familiar to anyone that knows d20 systems, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hit points are your toughness score plus D8. And combat is like wicked easy, right? So you roll a D6 and on a 1 to 3, enemies go first. And on a 4 to a 6, players do. You have to hit a DC 12 check to hit anything. Always DC 12. It could okay. be modified by something, but it's always DC 12. So if an NPC wants to hit you, you instead roll agility to defend. That's it. Combat is player facing, basically. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, armor takes off points of damage, and some of them can actually modify your defense rolls too. So, um, if you crit on a defense roll, you get a free attack on them, Ooh, which is awesome. That's nice. And yeah. If you, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And if you hit zero HP, you are broken, and you roll on a table where you could start hemorrhaging blood, lose a limb, or lose an eye. But yeah. if you hit negative HP, you, you just die, and that's it. Okay. Um, that's it. That, that's quite cool. Funny enough, uh, mm. combat is summarised and hit point rolling. There's a page where you see where your hit points, how to roll hit points, and it's just yep. a, a picture of a real heart. Like a, yeah, I love that. Um, oh, nice. Pretty grim. And then on the other side is all the combat. So the combat is summarised in two pages. That's it. Nice. But that's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. yeah I agree. That's all you bloody need. It's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, then then we come into a bunch of optional rules and, and classes, actually, which I haven't mentioned yet, because classes are optional. You don't have to take one. You could just be a nobody if you wanted to. Wicked. Um, but yeah, they're also completely optional. But we, we'll talk about classes. But before we talk about classes, I want to talk about the, the, the little tools, the little um, optional rules and things like this. Cool. And there's one optional thing called omens. This is basically like your bennies, right? You have D2 of these um, every in-game day. And, the, and once they're depleted, you know, you, you rest, you get D2 more. Or whatever die your class uses for omens, because some of them get more. Mm. And these can be used to re-roll any roll, including someone else's. So if Ooh. the GM does a roll you don't like, re-roll them. If your mm-hmm. mate, you want to want to screw with him, re-roll his. You can lower <laughs> yeah. damage dealt to you. Ooh. You can deal max damage on an attack, neutralize a crit, or Ooh. make tasks easier. Neutralize a crit. Yeah, so basically, if you do a crit fail, um, use an omen, it becomes a regular fail. If somebody crits you, use an omen, it becomes a regular hit. Yeah, I like that one. Pretty awesome. <laughs> really, yeah. really nice. It's just so clever. Um Mm-hmm. You also have a load of tables like terrible traits where you can roll up hindrances like problems yeah, with authority, nihilistic, or prone to substance oh, nice. prone to substance abuse is another one. Yeah. <laughs> nice. 
there's, there's one table this is kind of kind <laughs> of weird yeah wasteful is a pretty good one so you, yeah because yeah, in this world you know it's all about scarcity and and yep. you just you're just this guy that's like chuck a, chucking all your beef jerky into a lake or something um there's yeah there's one weird table as well which is a uh, a, a table of different states you'll find a body in so oh. it'd be like this one's <laughs> eyes have been gouged out and it's been kicked up the bottom or whatever um nice. <laughs> there's also a table of bad habits and the best of all though is is you know the troubling tales right this is your backstories and it says roll a d20 or throw a knife at the page to determine backstory oh my god Yes. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's cool, man. And and you know, the the backstories can be determined uh it can be for you or your entire group as well, which is fucking oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. And Nick, I think you'll like this because you like enjoy playing a magic user and there's a mm. table of arcane catastrophes. They're basically <sighs> spell fumble effects. Yes. <laughs> and the yeah, the title of the table, right, is written in such a weird way, right? It's difficult to read, and then the book chastises you for reading it wrong to begin with. So you're sort of <laughs> reading it and it's really difficult. And then it goes, you read it wrong the first time, you bitch, or something <laughs> like this. Go, yeah. I love it. Um, but yeah, the fumble effects are amazing, man. Like, So basically you have an immediate effect by one and then another that the caster doesn't immediately realise. So for example, you might roll on this table and now your skin emits a pale green light. But when you immediately don't know, and that's going to be difficult for everyone to figure out, is that you make everyone around you really ill, and their teeth fall out, their bones become brittle, they oh, start to lose HP. That's so wicked. That's oh wow! So wicked. And the thing is, so so, so the DM it's brutal. It's brutal. So the DM, you, Nick, you go to cast a spell, and the DM just says to you, "You've now got green screen. It's green skin." You'll be like, "All right, cool. I guess sneaking's off the menu." <laughs> then you know, the next session, I, he starts going on about everyone's teeth is falling out, and they can't figure it out because they don't know that that's necessarily linked to you because it wasn't yeah. said explicitly. <laughs> so good. They go to open the door, and their arm just breaks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, he's just like, All right, I got this, and then suddenly your arm breaks off. Somebody else tries to get the arm off the door. There, theirs breaks off on the end what of that one. And suddenly you've got an arm conga going on. <laughs> yeah, I just love the. I just love the name <laughs> Arcane Catastrophe. That's such a cool name. It is awesome, yeah. It's it's really cool, but um, there's a bunch of useful things like these tables. But we could be here all day if I go on about it. So let's talk classes. Okay. These are optional, but they are fucking awesome, right? Um, for example, there's Fanged Deserter. Fanged, Fanged Deserter. That's difficult mm-hmm. to say. Mm. These are humanoid monsters with huge fangs, and they start with a bite attack. And what's interesting is the way that the Fanged Deserter is described. It's like you you walk alone. But you've always had thirty or so friends. They your teeth, and it's like it's really oh, funny. But okay. yeah, yeah, no. um, <laughs> they start with higher strength and start with one random bonus, as do all the classes. Um, but my favourite one, and this this is the bit that made me laugh because it's like so dark, it's funny. There's a sword. It's a stinking sword that you pulled from what the book actually calls a shit ditch. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this and this sword basically gives people diseases. Diseases are all done with one mechanic in this. So it's called, like, I can't remember, intoxication or something like this. So if you stab somebody with a sword, every time they rest, instead of healing D6 HP, you get hurt D6 HP. And that's a mechanic in the game. So every time you're infected, that's what happens. And this sword basically infects people just by stabbing them because you pulled it from a shit ditch and never thought to clean it. That's so gross. One one of the other things for the fanged deserter, one of the other random things you might roll, is a bag of wizard teeth. (laughs) <laughs> before every battle you kind of you sh- jumble them around in your hands and basically you just roll a bunch of dice that are the wizard's teeth and then for every six you get to do max damage on that number of successful attacks during the combat 
lovely. Fucking cool, man. Oh, yeah, wicked. That's cool. Yeah, and the classes and cool. basically all work this way. Bonuses on certain abilities, detriments to others, then a cool thing they start with. And the next class is Gutterborn Scum. Yes. Which is pretty self-explanatory, but these are basically like rogues. So they could start with something called Coward's Jab, where they do more damage with a light weapon or a dagger, uh, like a dagger from Surprise, or Filthy mm-hmm. Fingersmith. Well, you begin with lockpicks and can easily pickpocket people. Or the ability to hide in mud or sludge. Mm. The cool thing is is that this isn't anything necessarily that new to the rogue, but it recontextualizes it as being a cowardly, like, gutter snipe, literally, in a lot of cases. You're literally sniping people from the gutter. Stabbing them in the back from yeah. a shit ditch. That's, a, that's, a, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 that is cool. yeah, you're in the shit ditch. You were next to the sword. That's how you met. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. It's very cool. Very, very cool. And other classes include the esoteric hermit, who are cave dwellers, occult herb masters, which are basically weed potion guys. <laughs> or there's wretched royalty, so you're like uh, just a horrible noble. Yeah, And all cool. the classes are freaking awesome, and they're all dripping with misery. Like, I, you can probably imagine, you know, the piece of artwork for wretched royalty is a guy sitting on a throne looking like he hates life, you know? Yes, <laughs> that's wicked. It, I'm just, it's, yeah, you're so, right. It's just like, you know, normal classes, but it's just the way they're, they're kind of packaged in this. It just makes it really good. You can really feel it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's also the little abilities that you get, you know, they really add that little bit of flavor in there. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I, I rolled up a character for this game and started with a fanged deserter who had a talking sc- I don't even think it was talking. He had a skull that was his best mate that he uh, <laughs> that he uh, like talked to and told his every secret. Love it. Um, huh. And also like had prone to substance abuse and things like this. And it was Wicked. just like I got this cool rounded character. And that's cool actually on their Morkborg website. They've got this uh, character generator, and it just because you can roll randomly for everything. You can choose stuff, but you can roll randomly for everything. You can roll up a character just by clicking a button on there. So if your character dies, get your phone out and you've got a new one there straight away. That's bang. That is really cool. cool. Let's talk about powers, shall we? These are basically spells in Morkborg, and they come on scrolls, and any character can get them at character creation because you can roll on the gear table and get one. Um, But some classes, such as the Esoteric Hermit, also get them as a random starting bonus. So there's two types of scroll, Unclean and Sacred, right? So it's kind of like good and bad ones, but um, they're both kind of a bit shitty, basically, but it's just the sacred ones are more linked to the uh, horrible basilisks that run the world. They're kind of like more things that people would find acceptable and some are ones that people wouldn't find acceptable. It doesn't mean either of them are good or should be used. Mm -hmm. Um, But every morning you roll presents plus D4 to determine how many spells you can use for that day and you can use any that you have in your possession a number of times up to that amount. So to use a spell you have to be a 12 on a presents roll and if you fail you become dizzy for an hour Take two D two no, take two fuck, take D two damage, and can't cast spells for that entire hour. Otherwise, they fail. You literally the count as a crit fail for that whole hour if you try and use them. So, I don't think this is a rule you should tell your players because when they try to use one while dizzy, they're like, "I've got to use it," and then it just blows up in their face. (laughs) It'll be a good uh, learning experience of it. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Um, If you crit or fumble, the GM decides the effect of the spell. They just they can make it up can be appropriate, can be whatever, but the arcane catastrophes table can also be used as an optional thing. Mm-hmm. Looking at some of the unclean scrolls, you basically have things like uh, death, 
<laughs> where creatures around you for 30 feet um, each take 4d10 damage. Ooh. Or Masutl's Blind Your Eye. Masutl Blind Your Eye, I think it's called. It's basically invisibility. Yep. Or Foul Psychopomp. Which you use to summon undead. Nice. <laughs> sacred, sacred scrolls include th- include things like Grace of a Dead Saint, which is a healing spell, mm. or Enochian Syntax, where a single creature blindly follows a single command. Ooh. You know, and you know that's the thing, isn't it? You know, if you look at all these old D and D things, the amount of the amount of description that goes into a uh, into a command spell. Simply because players are going to use it to do terrible things, but yeah, in this, if you've got if you've got bloody uh, Enochian syntax, you tell the king or someone really important to just you just go right, kill yourself. He'll do it. He'll just do it. <laughs> nice. Really <laughs> fucking cool. Um, yep. <laughs> there's uh, one I really like is that it's so cheesy, but it's called Whispers Past the Gate, and it's just talk with the dead. But nice. I just love the name. Yeah, that is cool. Oh, that that's cool. the use of the the names. Languages are, don't, yeah. They're po- all poetic, yeah. aren't they? Reminds me of like Dark Souls, and it's like so dark. But yeah, um, and the cool thing is as well, all the spells, and this is good for all the spellcasters out there. They fit on a single page, and each one, its description is a single sentence long. So no bullshit, you know. It's just so easy. Yeah, oh, I, I just love it, man. But um, we, we're nearly done here, and we'll kind of discuss the book together at the end. But let's wrap this up with a few monsters. Yes. So some of the yes. some of them are described, but some are given a whole page picture, and as a result, your uh, description is is left up to the GM. You know, mm-hmm. and for example, there's there's Aland, the wickhead knife wielder, who has a wicker <laughs> cage over his head, like in the Wicker Man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he has he, he's silent as a grave, so he's just completely silent constantly. He sneaks up on his victims and stabs them with a knife that has a twenty five percent chance to infect the wound so yeah. you'll get the same infection as the as the shit sword nasty um Ooh. now this one this is the second one that actually made me cringe and made me feel really nasty inside um is the uh, undead is an undead doll called lady porcelain and these are real oh. real human children who are placed inside porcelain dolls and left to die which uh. is horrible and grim but many of them return as the undead <laughs> so Imagine that. Imagine how fucking horrible that would be. It's disgusting. And yeah. And the image that they use on that page it's so is so creepy. Creepy as fuck. It's so it's cuz it's all whited out. Yeah, it's like a big it's like a creepy dolls like porcelain dolls face with cracks oh, man, in it. Shit. Up. Do you know do you know what I'm getting yeah. images of right now? You know you've got like a land the wicker head knife wielder like you know you wouldn't be surprised from going through these type of creatures if if you just saw pyramid head from Silent Hill. Do you know what I mean? Like that's it a, would fit perfectly with that a, kind of feel. That's exactly what I was thinking when I yeah. was when I was reading this. Like it's that type of nightmarish type monster. Yeah, that's it. It's exactly. Not, it, it's, it really is. But guess what? You know, the only reason, right, these little children are put into the dolls is to punish the parents if they've committed some sort of crime. How fucked oh, up is that? Oh, mate. mate. That is fucking... That is so brutal. <laughs> yes. oh, anyway, I'll give you two more monsters. There's one yes, called please. Belize, who's a blood-drenched skeleton. Um, <sighs> but basically, it's just, it's just a skinless undead, right? And it just drips with blood constantly. And it mimics voices to lure in its victims, then stabs them. Oof. Um, there's also one called Thinks, who's a gargoyle that moves only when you look away, and when it reaches you, it always hits. No oh. roll, it just hits. Wow. And also, every round of combat, um, it has eye beams, and you roll a d4, and on a one or a two, it uses the eye beams, which also mm. always hit. Um, prices are, are actually included for selling a lot of these creatures too, with different prices for dead or alive ones, which is fucking Ooh, cool. Ooh, that's cool. 
And that's Morkborg. The final part is an adventure called Rot Black Sludge, which is really, really good. And the cool thing about it is that the adventure, I won't spoil what it's about, but the cool thing about it is on every page as you go through it, if it's describing a room, it will show a mini version of the map and where it is on the map, so you don't have to keep, keep flipping back. That's and nice. each room is described by bullet points and just says what's in them. That's it. It's no, no flowery language. It's just you could just read the bullet points and come up with your own description. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. But that's all you want. That's all you need. You don't need all this dark and dank. It's just like, well, I'm going to explain it like that anyway. Or in actual fact, it's just going to be slightly mossy. And that's what I choose it to be. But all you need to know is the contents, don't mm. you? Yeah, and, and put it this way. You know, the only time I actually read the flavor text is when we're doing our actual plays. And that's different because there's only two of you there. You know, we yeah. get a lot done in those. And, yeah. and the language in the DCC yeah. books is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all it does is it serves to slow down a game. If you're reading from the book, it serves to slow down the game. And nowadays, I just summarise it in uh, in bullet points in my notebook anyway. Yeah. So I love it. All right, but we'll go around the room here. Um, you know, we we did this segment to to figure out if Morkborg lives up to the hype. And uh, Nick, what do you think? Yes, <laughs> in a word. <laughs> um, yeah, it's cracking. I mean, it's right up our alley straight away. Um, it's definitely something that I think that we'd enjoy. But I just love. I I feel what you mean with the. Um, it's not. It's not being dark for darkness's sake. It's actually having a really good stab at just getting under your skin. I like the kind of abandonment and despair. You know, why even bother naming your character? It won't make a difference. You know, just little lines like that really kind of drive it home it yeah i feel it i can feel i mean just from hearing this review i can feel the darkness it's almost like this room's got a bit darker right yeah totally and you know what like like we like i said and and you said it's it's about the sincerity yes. i mean as much as i love lamentations of the flame princess you know it is such a they do such good products for that game and they are they are good but sometimes you know James Raggy, he's into his black metal and stuff, but the thing is, what he often makes, it doesn't have, it doesn't actually have the tone of a black metal album or a doom metal album. What it really has is a tone of a fantasy thing trying to be edgy sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, a bit try hard. Yeah, and there are some adventures like Death Frost Doom, which is one of the greatest adventures ever made, but where it's like that, that is pure black metal. That is, but mm-hmm. the, and Morkborg succeeds with that in its rules as well as its products. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. That's why I think it's so fucking good. But James, how about you? What, what do you think? You like the? Does it live up to the hype? Ah, uh, yeah, totally. You know, I was just like, you know, before I sort of looked into it, and then like on our little chat, you were like, oh, yeah, it's been reviewed by the Guardian and all that shit, and I was just like, oh my god, it's just like some mainstream. It's just gonna be a mainstream piece of shit, um, basically. And then um, after like looking through the PDF and then yeah listening and discussing this whole review it's just like nah this is like this is actually badass and you can see that the reason it's made it to paper is because like it is actually the hype is real and it's it's so dark dingy and awesome and yeah like Nick was saying and you know it's definitely as our group uh, goes it's up our street so like massively, totally. We are going to definitely play oh, yeah. this. I can see that. That's oh, that's 100%. a fact. It's it's fucking. This awesome. is kind of this is like overtaken some um, people's campaigns. I reckon it's just like no, nope, this will be <laughs> yeah. next. I did immediately think of uh, just uh, right. I'm going to abandon the campaign. We're currently running play this. But <laughs> <Yes>. No, this. <laughs> I'd be uh, I'd be curious <laughs> to know how um, quite hardened um, Warhammer fans make of this. What they make of this? I think this might be up their street as well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Actually, I I completely agree because you know Warhammer ha- always had a very dark tone to it. Mm. Not quite this dark, but yeah, no. definitely. Maybe we could recommend it to to Warhammer fans, but I pretty much recommend it to anyone in RPGs. Yeah. And to me, this is a masterclass in how to make a product. And I th- I'm uh, hoping it will be a revolutionary product because I think I would love to see more things go this way, even if it's not this dark. The simplicity and the genius yeah. of design yeah. um, that that kept it simple with enough character options that kept the the, um, the 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 actual setting simple and decent and easy to use. It's just fucking genius. Yeah. And it's like the the thing is every single aspect of it is is just fucking awesome. One of one of the things I didn't mention is there's no how to play an RPG section. Um, uh, it, it just t- it, instead of all like what is an RPG do you see what yeah, I mean yeah 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 it's just it, it, it yeah. assumes you have some literacy with it because let's be honest who's starting with Mork Bork I mean it's probably not going to happen <laughs> yeah, yeah. but the thing is is that yeah it'll just say for example you know when when the game starts it'll just say um, tests D20 hits difficulty check to succeed that's it doesn't no bullshit no i don't know but yeah it's just fucking awesome but i've got to be honest with you guys i do have to go somewhere very soon so we're gonna to have to move on to the next segment no no that's fine one more thing before i go yeah all by mortborg and also the yellow and black cover is they absolutely look great as a color match you know color code for this this whole product the, the yeah. black right with the yellow is genius it's, it is genius and it makes it stand out on a shelf yeah. of otherwise dingy and dark books really kind of weird when you think about it yeah, it's true. Bye, everyone. Electro letters. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. Okay, so this is electro letters. Basically, what you no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so. Um, <laughs> this is uh, so. This is electro letters, right? And what, what we asked you guys for this week was. Uh, your greatest RPG achievements mm. of all time. Um, I like the first one, Michael Markey, which is... Uh, I th- is he from the Funky Bunch? I was about to say, he needs to be in a rap group, did not he? Yep. Michael Markey. Um, I nearly said something really terrible just then. I'll tell you after the recording. Um, okay, so he says, Killing a man with a knock spell. We were in space at the time, wearing helmets fully locked into our suits. So yeah, for those that don't know, a knock spell unlocks a door. So he just unlocked this bloke's suit, I guess. <laughs> wow, that's fucking cool. That is cool. Um, this one, this one's actually probably my favourite one. Um, Robert Woford, he says we actually played a four-hour session with almost no diverting to out-of-game stuff. That's an achievement. I don't think it, it can't be true. I think that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe that's it when I happened. see it. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, so the next one comes from Timothy Peer. He says, I once strangled a dragon into unconsciousness in AD&D 2nd Edition. My character died in the encounter, but he took the dragon out with him. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> do you know a weird thing, actually, you two, is that um, I actually did this once. It was one of the games that we played at work. No, no, it wasn't me. It was a friend of mine, but I've, I was there. I witnessed it happen. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I saw somebody uh, strangle a dragon to death with a thong he'd nip- nicked off a hooker. Oh, oh Wow. <laughs> Um, way to go yeah. funny thing is you you both know the person as well so uh-huh. um, yeah I bet I do yeah I'm thinking yeah. you know who it is mm-hmm. yeah 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 <laughs> um, yeah Terry Hansen he says getting a game going and having it last longer than two months oh tell oh, oh man oh, 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 that makes me feel sad yeah that does make me feel sad it was sad, like two so. months and one day <laughs> yeah 
two days a lot, spanned a lot across of people over do have, a lot of people do have trouble you know keeping a game group together we're super lucky mm. I like it when people come out with like I had a game last for four sessions once and we're like uh, try five, five years mate five, yes. five and a half years still, still going, going strong still going to be fair it's not It's not been the same game for five years oh no although like, that would be cool yeah that would be cool too but there, no, there's a lucky. woman we are lucky we like trying out different stuff don't yeah. we yeah exactly exactly that there's a woman who owns the, our friendly local game store who uh, has run the same Deadlands campaign for 15 years can you believe that wow Jesus fuck jeez yeah. Apparently, you know, as characters get to legendary, they kind of retire, and they oh, okay. they they have like, yeah. So it's it's technically the same campaign, but the same. It's a different story, new characters, you know, all of this stuff. So that is cool. Um, and speaking of Deadlands, Owen Lean, he says uh, his greatest gaming achievement is running a Savage Worlds LARP for three years without making my wife want to kill me. <laughs> and you know that is cool. But what I thought immediately was that she did want to kill you, mate, but she just didn't say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I guarantee, you know, every time he's having to put his leather chaps on and go down the pub to pretend to be, you know, a, 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 a Western wizard, his wife's like, oh, fuck it, you know. <laughs> fuck that fuck. guy went for fucking for hell, fuck I mean. He's got his chaps on again. He just he just dips his hat and then, like, spins his gun. He's like, and I'm going out to LARP. I'll see you in the morning. See you in the morning. <laughs> and she's like, oh, God. My husband is the lamest. He's got one of those little guns with a little orange thing on the end. <laughs> Not to say LARPs are lamers, you know, this is a pl- this is a safe space. LARPers, you're all right, but yeah. you are weird, let's be honest. Um, Stephen, Stephen Keith, he says, overcoming insanity. In Rifts, my shape-shifting techno wizard from another dimension, Cosmo Diode, who, who looked like Harrison Ford, finally got over his specific randomly rolled insanity, fear of success. The result of a critically failed horror check at the site of a gigantic cybernetic brain. The symptoms, huge penalties to almost all skill checks and combat roles, but only when success matters the most. Cosmo could be doing just fine, then, but he found some way of sabotaging himself in the most crucial moment. Oh, no. It was really awful, but fun to roleplay. The cure... <laughs> design and build a techno wizard device that allowed these benevolent ghostly entities key success to the living machines from Robotech this, I, this is going way over my head I've got to be honest with you ironically as a trade for delivering the device to our new trans-dimensional friends it was actually a giant squishy brain encased in a mech suit who physically reached into my mind and erased the fear okay Ooh. so I'm back on track now yeah <laughs> funny thing was my character's insanity kind of started fucking me up I in real life so I was pretty stoked to finally be cured and our GM said it just wound up shaking out the way story wise with it being a second giant brain un- to undo the curse that kind of makes sense love the podcast guys very inspiring cheers to summarise that basically his brain got all fucked up and another brain helped him yeah good I, I, I'm glad I mean I, I don't know why being together. a complete failure for ages is your uh, best gaming achievement but Still, I mean, it's it's good that when you come out of an insanity. I mean, most people in in the Call of Cthulhu games that we run, they die or go yeah, completely they don't insane that before they even get a chance to redeem yeah, themselves. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that, that is an achievement. I do get that. But well, rifts, they... man, it just sounds like it's, it's so kitchen sinky, man. It's like fucking everything's in it, and I'm just yeah. just too much. Just too much. It's like my shaped shifting black lesbian skeleton from another dimension who is also a president of the United States with a joint-smoking dog called Kermit. He's also touring a 
revivalist rock band. It's like, okay, cool, mate. This is let's just play something else. Um, gen- we got a couple of general questions. Henrik hey. Erlandson, he says, is it my is it my brain that plays me a trick, or did you do an episode on the Matt Mercer effect? We did, right? But a lot of people were very upset with our guest, even though we didn't speak about anything particularly political on that. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people got upset about the guests. A lot of complaints happened. The episode got taken down. Sorry. Um, he did ask if we'd upload it anywhere again, but probably not. Um, we sort of learned our lesson there that, that controversial guests might might end up being controversial. I actually thought they both seemed quite nice. But the thing is, is that, yeah, we I learned do my research beforehand. And also, yeah, I'm sorry about that episode being down, but it is shut up. Um, you know we've got a ten thousand pound patron dollar Patreon tier. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah we do. Well, Ace B he comes in. He says, legitimately, what would you spend ten grand on? Ten grand on if it had to be spent on RPG related stuff. Um, he says he'd think he'd uh, chuck a few grand at a big marble gaming table, and I just imagine that in my front room. <laughs> just that. Imagine that. I've got all IKEA furniture and you know normal ass stuff, and then yeah. like a really exquisite marble table hand, takes up the whole room, crafted. sitting in the middle of it. Yeah, handcrafted and everything. Um, now, my... Get one of those um, those those massive tables that has that central reservation that's, that that uh, sinks down, so you can put like a a massive. Uh, model of something and then Mate, click a there's... button and it slowly rises to yeah. reveal itself to the players there's some the cracking... okay I mean that would be cool but it wouldn't fit in my house this is what I'm trying to say well, I've got, I've got so the answer le- to the he question said legitimately so Nick you I've got the answer to the question and it would be the same problem with me so I would use the 10 grand to put it towards a deposit to buy a bigger house to be able to game in a larger space I feel like you've cheated <laughs> yeah Okay, <laughs> all right. No, but it has to be RPG-related stuff. No, I'm stuff. joking. All the house right, so isn't ten, specifically RPG-related. Ten grand, I would 100% buy one of them off-the-hook tables. You know, the ones that are all wooden. They've got the magnetic hand uh, uh, cup holders. They've got the, you know, they've got everything. Uh, there are a lot of dough. I'd buy one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And then I'd build in a, I love the... Um, I love the electronic table as well for when you can have um, maps on on a screen. So I'd have a you know I'd have a custom built table basically, have a screen built into it and everything. Yeah, I'll probably just blow ten grand on a really good ta- a gaming table that just caters for everything. I thought the exact same thing, and I'll probably do the exact same fucking mm. thing. But what I would also do is I would um, I'd probably buy one of those you know four hundred quid wooden DM screens. I know I've got one that I made myself, but the thing is, is that. It's not quite as nice as those ones, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, you mean. And I'll get the table. Oh, I'll get the like table. To, I'd like and to then if there's that. any money left over, Nick, I would yep. give it to charity because that's what how nice I am. Oh, do you know what I was going to say? RPG I'd, charity. I'd, I, I, I would buy that fucking Monty Cook game that's like 300 quid just to have a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it that, yeah, the one that's $200 and doesn't even come with everything you need. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, could, you know what you could do 10 grand is buy five coffees so we've all got one and the table's just <laughs> crowded with like just utter crap all over the place yeah. metal hands that holds a card all of these fucking GM screens and yeah. 800 fucking cards there you go. I bet it's actually quite good though that's the most annoying thing I about it I bet it is I bet it is one day we're right, James you've got 10 grand and I think Ace B he's, he's trying to see what we would spend it on so he can give us the fucking money so I James so. what are you going to spend it on yeah, well, definitely it's going to be on them TV tables. Like, that's a fact. It'll do that. Um, but I'd also, if possible, I'll make it touchscreen so every player can interact with it. 
You know, we spoke actually. We spoke actually a little while ago about the ultimate horror game and having somebody dressed as the monster <laughs> burst in like an actor that you've paid. Yeah. Yes. yes. I think I would. I would definitely run a one shot of Call of Cthulhu. Don't. I wouldn't tell anyone that that's what's going to happen. And then suddenly, halfway through, this guy in like oh a my like God. deep one mask imagine, just imagine leaps in, smashes the table, and <laughs> blowing blow yeah. ten grand on like special effects for a one shot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fireworks, <laughs> fucking a bloke coming in on a suit. Yeah, yeah it would be like, and me, maybe like, I would have NPCs die. I'd have like, you know, blood packs blood beneath my packs shirt. Everywhere. It'd be the most bombastic <laughs> game. Trained ever. ravens to fly brutal. through the window, like whenever they're needed. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that'd be good. You seen the film Game Night? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Basically that. It'll yeah, be that. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> All right, let's do an outro, shall we? Yeah. Okay. I just don't want to catch him in bed with a goblin. But if he's in there rolling around hacking him up and he's got a goblin guide, you know, taking him into the cave, I'm not expecting him to not get dirty. All right. Now, look, uh, we've got products out there, 3T RPG Publishing on uh, DriveThruRPG. Um, you know, uh, buy one of those if, if you fancy, you know, because this, this way you can leave us a tip and uh, you can also... Um, support the show as well at the same time and you also get something Ooh. so uh, yeah that'd be cool if you could do that I would be very very much like that and mm-hmm. uh, of course you can contact us at 3trpgpod at gmail.com or if you want to donate to us uh, you know uh, regularly you can go to our Patreon before we go though I would just like to get mildly sombre for a minute and I know I've, I've kept it together throughout this podcast but unfortunately my uh, my really great cat Millie uh, died yesterday and I'm dedicating this episode to her simply I mean she's not RPG related but let's put it this way she would always uh, really really liked our gaming group and it's really sad yeah. that she's gone so goodbye oh, Millie the yeah. cat um, and as I said on my Facebook, she's gone to Cat Valhalla. She'll be she honoured there. So. Yeah, she yeah, will be She'll honored. be feasting. Feasting. Yep, yeah, exactly. She'll yeah. have like infinite cat food. Although, to be fair, she didn't really have much of an appetite anyway. But yeah, anyway, goodbye, <laughs> Millie the cat, and thank you for everything. Yeah, you were amazing, Millie. Short steps, deep breath. Everything is alright. Chin up. I can't step into the spotlight She said I'm sad Somehow without any words I just stood there Searching for an answer When this world is no more the moon is all we'll see I'll ask you to fly away with me Until the stars all fall down They empty from the sky But I don't mind if you're